0: Hi, I'm Graham, and welcome to another episode of the Leaders in Technology podcast. Um, I'm here today, I'm really excited um, to have our guest today, uh, Vince Crivelli, the the CEO of Melbourne United basketball team. Um, Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. I must say it feels a little odd to be part of a podcast uh, around
0: leadership in the technology space when you're dealing with a sports administrator, but I'm happy to be here all the same. Fantastic. Well, I, I know what you mean. Uh, our, our goal in Leaders in Technology is to enable great leaders. Um, our, our market is technology, but we believe leadership can be learnt from anywhere. Um, and our core principle is um, leaders learning from those that have gone before them and leaders that have, have done things that, that might be able to translate into to what our audience is doing at home. And, and I think... Um, Sports administration has a, a unique place in in Australian um, history and and culture, um, and I think there's been a lot of examples of where it's done poorly and and where it's done well. Um, and I know you've been part of the journey that's seen sort of the resurgence of basketball. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a it's been an interesting
1: journey all the same. I, I must say, I think the premise on for which you're building the podcast and your you know your definition around leadership there is quite sound from my perspective, you know, leaders never stop learning. Yep. You know, so you learn from everybody, you learn from everyone. And, you know, I think that that's a really great place to start in terms of setting your, setting the principles up. I certainly think that that's how we believe it in sport. You know, that's how we believe things to be. And as far as you know, the journey that we've had so far, it's been, uh, it, it's, certainly, it's certainly been a challenging journey, but it's something we started off with a simple belief that the sport has a place. Yep. Um, the sport is relevant. There are major statistics in the sport that help you get confidence that actually the environment we're playing in here is significant. And, and if we were to behave more professionally, with more of a vision and you know a little bit more intent and focus, then we can absolutely own our own our piece of that incredible environment that is basketball
0: in australia sure if we can sort of look back a little bit basketball probably 80s and 90s that was the the sort of heyday um really in in australian basketball and it it sort of seemed to be traveling really well um from a leadership perspective where did um sort of things get off the rails yeah great question and i'm sure that there's a lot of people (coughs) who were around at that time
1: who could probably better answer that question but from my perspective and the journey that I've had, yeah, you know, I think um, there's probably three or four key things. Um, I think the biggest thing, you know, the, the top two things to me, uh, one, technology, yep. and by that I mean, you know, back in the '80s and '90s, if you wanted to get your fix around basketball, you'd have to tune into ABC, and Don Lane might be putting on a game a week. Sure, you know, and then you needed to rely on the local product to consume the to consume the sport. Yep. Um, Vantech conversation now where we 've got subscription based content available at your whim on any platform anytime you want to watch it, which is just fantastic technology, but it really did change the way people looked at the Australian product as a consumer product you know sure. did they want to, did they really want to still <coughs> consume the Australian product or are they more now interested in the American product being that they can watch that I think soccer's probably yeah. or football is a similar has probably gone through a similar thing it's probably that I think the other thing the other demise if you if you look back, back in the '80s, we had '80s and '90s. We had this amazing guy called Michael Jordan who managed to transcend the sport sure. and become a commercial giant all across the globe. And yeah. I think at one one point his his face was the most recognizable face in Africa. Just amazing. Yeah. Um, so you know we had we had Michael Jordan with all of his um, you know the heroes and villains back in the '90s. Whether you're yeah. playing for the Bulls or whether it was the Celtics or the Lakers or whoever it might have been. Yep. Um, and I think when he retired, I think the, the international buzz kind of lost its, inter- its kind of lost its appeal. Sure. That coupled with directly here in Australia with the rise of AFL. Okay. And, and I think that that's probably the other area where you talk about leadership in sport or leadership in a product. I think the AFL showed tremendous leadership in the nineties to really observe what was happening around them. Yep. And to really make an effort to say, well, where do we see ourselves in? 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, what's our vision, what's our plan, and how do we attack anything that we need to attack so that we can stay relevant and top of mind?
0: Yeah. And so I think... And sort of the us us and them sort of very mentality. Very much so, yeah. you know, and I think they did
1: that really well. <clears throat> I, I, I commend them for the way they've gone about dismantling every other sport that's tried to um, bring any type of threat in. I think they've done just a brilliant job of always being a little bit ahead of the game and... Um, always understanding how to present their brand to market and you know I think basketball was certainly one of those sports back in the 90s where the leaders of AFL you know really looked at it and thought we need to do something about basketball how to counter basketball and I think basketball just never did anything you know basketball was just stuck with hoping that you know what was happening at the time with the full stadiums and the international appeal of Michael Jordan and all these other things would just kind of, you know, bring it on, but yeah,
0: it wasn't to be. So I don't think participation levels have dropped, did they? When when sort of basketball was when professional basketball was going through its problem times, participation sort of in the junior and local ranks didn't really drop, did it? No, not at
1: all. And and to be honest, that's the strength of the sport. Um, if you if you talk about participation as uh, sorry, if you talk about participation in sport over a calendar year. Basketball is the number one sport in Australia. We okay. don't stop the sport doesn't doesn't stop it's not seasonal you know you play winter and then you go straight to summer whereas <laughs> AFL or football they have a little break you know they'll yeah. play for 18 to 20 weeks of the year and 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 then, and then they'll have a break and yeah. cricket cricket comes on you know or event-based sport comes on whereas basketball doesn't stop the infrastructure that has been developed around the nation in basketball is second to none I mean in Melbourne alone uh, you wouldn't have to drive more than say 10 to 12 kilometers between one venue to another and all of those venues are under the management of the sport itself okay so the sport has been well governed um, and well developed around participation male female all ages all abilities infrastructure accessibility all of those things have been really well taken care of the only part that's been missing really is around the consumer piece of the national leagues Sure, Uh, both men and women but i think that's slowly changing I think we're um, approaching an era again where the interest in the local product is starting. It's certainly starting to see a resurgence. And some of the players who are currently playing in the NBA, Australian-born players, I think we have seven of them at the moment, and I believe, you know, if you listen to all the reports, Ben Simmons is probably on the way up too. Yep. There'll be eight and there's a couple guys behind him, you know. It's fair to say that in our lifetime, um, either the next Olympics or the one after that, Australia could have an Olympic team filled of players playing in the NBA. NBA yeah. That is extraordinary. Our own dream team. That is extraordinary. Yeah. And we would probably be the only country outside the US that could actually lay claim to that feat. Yeah. I mean, that is just extraordinary. And that goes directly to the strength of the participation of the sport and where we come from. And again, at the very start, why I um, said that we we believe we're in an environment that can really support a strong and healthy consumer product back here in Australia.
0: Yeah, well, you look at, um, you know, Della Vadova. He, he was from, what, Maryborough, you know, country Victoria. Great story. Just a country boy. Great um, story, great story. And, you know,
1: he gives hope to every Aussie kid, Yeah. because he's not the biggest guy around, certainly not the most athletic guy around. Yep. He's certainly not the prettiest of players going around. <laughs> but he's playing in probably one of the, He's probably in the top two or three teams in the world. Yeah. He's arguably playing with the greatest player, of our current the current generation of players in LeBron James yeah and, and holding his own and, and being and doing incredibly good, I think that that talks a little bit too to the culture of Australians in sport, and we punch above our weight a lot, we really do we really do uh, it 's something that i 'm really proud of, but we do punch we do that, that saying punching above our weight is so true we do we, we do a great job internationally and if you talk to nba scouts and you talk to nba gms and teams they all say that it's almost like when you're putting the recipe for success together in the nba you need an aussie in your locker room yeah because we bring a different culture to their team you know um mateship is something that is hard to describe to anybody that hasn't isn't from australia or new zealand exactly well that they carry that into the locker room over there and it's a really different concept and um, yeah and and that's why you know right now the best teams in the nba You've got the Clippers, you've got Andrew Bogut, you've got the Spurs <clears throat> and they've got Paddy Mills and you've got the Cavaliers and they've got Matthew Deliverdova. I don't think that that's a surprise. Yeah. I think it's got a whole lot more to do with, um, well, their selection into those teams has a lot more to do with the whole player piece as opposed to a skill that they may possess.
0: Yeah. Do you think it, it serves um, the, the Australian game having, the, having Australians play in the NBA or will we get to a point where we can have them playing in the NBL?
1: Look, I think in time, but that's a money discussion. Yeah. And it would be silly for anybody to suggest in a global game where you can go in your profession and earn, I don't know, pick a number, 1, so million, up one million to 20 million, yeah. um, playing at the highest possible level, recognised highest level on the planet, um, versus your local product. I think if you were to ask that question of all of those players in the NBA, they will all tell you that they'd love to come back and support the local product and play back here in Australia. Yeah. They're very passionate about it. You only have to look at social media and you see that they're actually following our product. Yeah, true. You know, So they are definitely passionate about it, but the economics of it, you know, you have to be pragmatic about this, and the
0: economics of it don't add up. So it might be a case if we get them back for the last couple of years of like their careers. Possibly, career yeah. And so. it's
1: happening in football. That's happening in soccer too. Yeah. You know, um, I, Tim Cahill is an interesting one. He came back and played for a season, I think, yeah. and then he couldn't resist the money again in China. Yeah. You can't knock that back.
0: Yeah. Exactly. It's like any and, industry, and you can't hold you can't hold it against them either. Oh no, no. Um, you, we should sorry. be
1: we should be embracing it,
0: you know. um,
1: I think we should be celebrating their success and embracing their success and following them with vigour. I mean, outside of the AFL, we don't have an Indigenous sport. Yeah. And so all of the other sports are global sports. Yeah. I think any athlete performing on a global stage in their sport we should take tremendous pride in Yeah, no, I think we're too quick to shoot him down sometimes, but for me, I look at it the complete opposite.
0: The thing I love, you mentioned young Simmons um, uh, a couple of minutes ago and um, I, I saw an interview with him and, and he's been in America, obviously playing high school and now college. He talks with an American accent, but he talks so fondly about playing for Australia one day. Um, and, and that's what I love about it. You know, he's obviously um, grown up here, but gone over there to to further his career. But yeah, still, it's a it's wants a career choice. I mean,
1: uh, heading over to the US, it's a career choice. You know, it's, um, it's like picking a university here for anybody in their chosen field. You know, yeah. for him, it was his career choice. They had to do that so that the uh, so that Ben could absolutely get the most out of himself and give himself the most chance to succeed. But his roots. And you know, growing up watching his father play in the national league in australia, that has an impact on these guys yeah, absolutely has an impact on these guys. Their friends are here, their uncles and aunties and cousins and you know it absolutely has an impact on all of them and when they put on their national national jersey, you know that you can see that the, you can see the passion and enthusiasm they have for it they don't get paid to do that yeah, you know that's a purely that's purely a function of um, passion and loyalty and and really. National pride, and And I'm guessing at
0: some points there's pushback from the clubs as well for them to play for their country. Well, I'm sure there would be Uh, fear of injury and yeah. Well, if you take Dante
1: Simmons as an example, who um, last year was the number five draft pick for Utah, Um, he ended up tearing his ACL in a uh, you know tournament, kind of a nothing tournament, really. Yep. And the Utah Jazz are sitting there going, well. one of the guys we're trying to build our franchise on, he's out for nine to ten months. Yeah. I and mean, there's a there's an impact to that. Again you you gotta be pragmatic about all these things in our business and, and you need everyone needs to respect everybody's opinions and what they're trying to protect. But ultimately, um, as our coach talks about, you know, we shouldn't be doing anything unless we ask the first question and that is how does it impact on the players? Yeah. Because they're the ones that we're all trying to, you know, support out on the floor. Yeah. So don't be don't be doing things that are counterproductive to your end product. Sure, and I think
0: that's what I love, Um, and when we were sort of talking before this, you know, you're saying you weren't sure how what what you know can sort of translate into our audience, Um, but what you just said epitomises sort of what you deal with is team sport, but what our audience does is teams in business. Mm. Um, And I think what you just said there would translate directly um, sort of back into any business in the country, really. Great. If we we'll, let's end it there, then at least <laughs> we're on a good note. <laughs> so um, we covered the, the sort of heyday and, and the sort of demise of, of basketball. Um, the future looks really bright at the moment. What are some of the key things um, that have been are being put in place? both from a Melbourne United point of view and an NBL point of view that, that sort of guarantees the future?
1: I think the first thing is confidence, you know, and, and when you look at that, you, you and, and it's for all the different people that play a role within our game here in Australia and the NBL, it's, the, the, it's that confidence to, to act, confidence to do, confidence to behave. And by that I mean, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of good news stories for the National League for the last five or six years, whether there's teams going into administration, you know whether there's a TV deal, whether there's no TV deal, whether the crowds have been poor. I think the first thing that changed is the consumer conference with some of the announcements in the in the off season, and they've been building for some time. Yeah, um, Larry taking over 51% stake in the National Basketball League, and effectively, um, not necessarily the money that he's injected into it because it's that's false, and money will come and go. But certainly the people that he's bringing with him to the table and allowing them the opportunity to transform transform sport. That's great leadership. Yeah. Um, he sees the vision for that and he's just bringing in people around him that can help, um, you know, in the different areas needed. And so confidence is a big thing. You see that Virgin have supported us as a league, Australia Post, I think Westpac, I think um, Chemist Warehouse have come on board with a major sponsorship, um, probably forgetting a few, but they're yeah. household names, they're big brands, you know, and so when, when you know, you've got some market support for your, for your product it gives you some confidence in the stability of where we're going that's one Um, two is the television broadcast with fox being able to have every game live in hd every night of the week five six nights of the week is just fantastic and it's certainly playing a significant role in the appetite people have for sport i mean people love the game it's just we were never serving it up to them as regularly as what we are now you know and all of a sudden, you know, when a guy goes out and does something fantastic, well, it's on Fox Sport and people can share in that. Whereas that's actually been happening. It's just no one knew about it. Sure. You know, so, so the confidence to for our players to know that they're being rewarded with the support of all of our partners is one. The confidence for administrators to know that other corporate, corporate Australia are seeing the vision and understand the sport and want to get behind it. And so, well, that, that gives you a tremendous sense of appeal. And then specifically for us, it was about understanding what our product was. Okay, And having the confidence, again, to really be clear in what our product is. So, yes, we are a sport um, which has high-performance metrics, which is all about the development of a human to, to be the best that they can be yep. in the pursuit of excellence on a basketball court. Fine. That doesn't ring well for a consumer. Sure. What is the product for a consumer? How do they engage with that product? How do you serve that up to them? What are you doing different to, say, other sporting um, codes that might be in Victoria, and we're littered with them. so we need to be really good at it. And yeah. I think th- us being able to define ourselves as a sports entertainment brand, we make I make no apologies for that. We absolutely want to win. Yeah, we want to be the best. We hate losing. <laughs> shits me to tears. Yep. can't stand it. <laughs> hate it. I'm a terrible loser. But on game night for me, it's about how are we serving up a sports entertainment product to consumers? How are they engaging with it on game night? What tools are we using to engage with them? Um, I love now that when we are out and about, people recognise who we are. Not so much me personally, but certainly the team, the players. Yeah. I love that on um, social media, which is um, a whole new medium. And I know people might think that that's ridiculous when I say new, but it really is. A lot of people still don't know how to use it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: don't know how to harness it. And it's something we've only just figured out. Um, But we've seen a massive spike in the engagement levels with our consumers around social media and a a really significant growth in those areas. They're really encouraging things, but it all comes back to having the confidence to say, yes, whilst we're a basketball team, playing in the National Basketball League, trying to win and be great at the development of humans in in the pursuit of excellence, that's great. We're an entertainment product. People want to be entertained.
0: Yeah, I came along to a game uh, a a few weeks ago and... I was I was quite surprised, actually. Um, basketball is probably, and I want to choose my words carefully, basketball is really part of the product. Um, absolutely. The, the, the actual game of basketball by, and is by design. part of the product. And by
1: design. Absolutely, by design. That's how it should be. I mean, I think gone are the days where, again, you know, it's a really hard thing in Victoria, but when most people are conditioned to following their footy team through you know, historical factors or family factors or generations of interest, whatever. You know, I don't know how they engage. I look at what the AFL are doing, I look at what football are doing and other sports, and they are more and more moving towards trying to become more of an entertainment product. Yeah. Whether people like it or not, I don't care. That's the truth. Yeah, exactly. You go to a Col- you go to a Collingwood game right now, and they got they got you know the dances, and they've got stuff happening outside, and there's a reason. You it's, want to get there a, an hour more,
0: before the game to. It's more competitive. The market's
1: yeah. more competitive. People with young families are demanding more. Um, and you've got to be able to move with the times and I think this is where basketball has a tremendous upside. We don't need eighty thousand people. It'd be nice to play a game at Eddie Head Stadium and one day I I personally have <laughs> ambition to be part of that. But right now, you know, we've got a ten and a half thousand seat venue and when you're getting eight thousand people it's an incredible atmosphere. Oh it's massive.
0: It it's, feels like there's forty thousand right, people there. It's
1: intimate, the game is fast pace. You're really close to the action. You can feel everything that's going on, and so that's a natural advantage our sport has. Yeah. You know, it's unlike other sports where, you know, you, you you can sometimes just see a dow struggle on the court. Basketball's not that game. Yeah. A twenty point margin can be gone in two minutes. We've experienced it. You know, we were down twenty five points two weeks ago against uh, Illawarra and trailing the whole game and we had about a two and a half minute patch where we just started to play with a little bit more confidence and it was a four point game yeah that's exciting
0: I said to I was at my son's basketball game um, last week and uh, I said to someone sitting beside me I'm amazed at what can happen in 30 seconds in basketball yeah. he, he it's, can, phenomenal. Can, it's phenomenal it's uh, yeah.
1: that's, it's that's also the reason I'm bald stressed <laughs> <going on. laughs> Isn't there, there's no comfort levels. No fingernails. Yeah, no fingernails. <laughs> overweight. It's just, it's just, there's no comfort levels, but, yeah. but it is—it's raw, you know. So yes, I, I agree with your, you know, your analogy about basketball actually being part of the event itself, 100% designed that way, and we yeah. believe that that's how sport in the future will will go. I mean, you, you, know, you go to you go the Melbourne Cup, and the horses are just part of the atmosphere of the yeah. Cup Carnival. I mean, I don't even know how many people there give to... About that, right? Especially by
0: 2.30 in the right? afternoon. <laughs> um,
1: you go to the Big Bash and look at what the Big Bash is all about in cricket. Yeah. It's transformed cricket. I mean, I thought for a while cricket in Australia was really in trouble. Yeah. And until the Big Bash came with KC and Channel 10 or Channel 9, or whoever it was it brought along, and, you know, the fireworks and the music and the acrobatics in the crowd and the shortened format of the game, no one cared. Now all of a sudden people are interested in it. Well, that's because consumers are changing their... their Choices around how they want to consume sport, yep. um, and you're no longer talking to a male audience. You're talking to family audiences. You're talking to male, female kids. Yeah, it's very different. And so I think we're ahead of the curve, um, personally. And I and I take with great pride um, when I have other sports coming to watch what we do and try and replicate it. I think there are only a few sports that could do it.
0: Yeah, you I know, agree. I think our
1: natural advantage is the sport itself. It's quick, high paced. It's indoor intimate small venues you know I think they're unique traits
0: yeah and is there still that us first them mentality in sport in Australia because it seems like sport in Australia is more learning from each other rather than trying to wipe each other out these days well I think
1: I think the big boys have got their place yeah um, and I think really push come to shove the big boys will do whatever they need to do to maintain top of mind as you would think in any competitive field yeah and when I'm talking big boys I'm talking AFL and NRL, NRL. Then I think the A-League are really you know, right there, right behind them, and then I think there's probably a plethora of sports, us included in that space. Yep. We've all got our own unique um, assets, if you like, and, mm-hmm. and if managed well, we can all find our own piece. I think that's probably what we're all learning. Yep. I don't think anyone is sitting here with grand illusions about taking on the AFL one day. That's sure. not what basketball's about. But we certainly have a role to play as a consumer product in sports entertainment, not just in Australia, but in the South East Australian region yeah and we can certainly capitalize on that we'll find our own playing field um, over years to come. So I think maybe it's more about spending the time on the areas that you can control and focus as opposed to you know worrying too much emotionally about what the others are doing. And I yep. think the learning piece comes from the fact that all these sports are continually being evol- continually evolved and developing, and technology plays a big part in that. Um, the use of technology in sport is more and more. Um, very much the day-to-day means of how we operate our businesses. Yeah, That's a whole new space for me.
0: Okay. I'm really interested in the business of sport. Um, and you talked about, <laughs> um, you know, a few minutes ago about how fast-paced basketball is and how much it can change. Um, and I know in, in the business of sport, your product and, and the game and the team winning sort of will, will sort of Drive a lot of what happens within the business. How, as a leader, um, do you cope with that? Do you try and control with that sort of? Environment? Well, I mean, I
1: cope, control are very interesting things. But I don't know if I cope with it or control it very well. In fact, I have no control over the team's performance yeah. to, to, for the most part. Once the team's selected and in training, it's you know you, you hand that over to the people that are experts in in their field, and you work with them day to day, week to week on whatever you can do to help. Yep. In terms of the business, though, I mean, look, we we just need to be agile, we need to be almost entrepreneurial in our nature, and we need to have a a mindset around being able to move quickly, um, behave quickly, react quickly, because on a loss, you might react differently to how you might react to a win. Yep. Um, So you have to develop uh, mechanisms, coping mechanisms, if you like, to be able to deal with what presents itself. I don't think that that's anything different in any other business. It's just that our um, what happens to us is a public event as opposed to what might be happening in other companies it becomes a very close shop private. It affects the people it affects and you move on. Yeah, Whereas in mind on the back page. Right. In yeah. in mine if you know if there's catastrophe, everyone's gonna know about it and it becomes a talking point. So you have to have the ability to, to deal with that. How you deal with that is really just around education and really just about spending time with people to within your business, both internally and externally, just dealing with the issues as they come. I mean we had a an issue yesterday where there was a column written about the way we put on the games in Herald Sun and a few people were a bit upset about it and I oh, on the contrary was flattered that they'd taken the time to write an article about something sure. like when I mean, we don't have a game they wouldn't have been doing that two years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and this morning for, you know, half an hour just sitting talking about the fact that, you know, um, media is part of our life now and we need to behave that way we need to understand the good the bad and the indifferent and more the opinion and just keep challenging ourselves are we doing the right thing are we on track are we sticking to our goals if we are opinions are opinions people are allowed to have them that's okay but exactly. it's education it's dealing with things using education yep. um, that's really the key thing for us
0: sure and as a leader as the a ceo of, of an organization um, you probably have a higher profile than most other CEOs of similar-sized organisations. Um, how does that affect your leadership style? I don't really think about it. I'll be honest,
1: I don't, I don't really think about it. I'm pretty sure
0: not many people know who
1: I am if I walk down the street. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, long after I'm gone, that when basketball's flying, that, that'll be different, you know, like the pressures yep. on AFL. But oh, I look at all great leaders in sport... You know, there's very few of them that are public figures. Very few of them that you know. Oh, I think that that's how it should be. We're our administrators. We're at the back of the house. You know, our yeah. players are our shopfront, and it should be our players and coaches that are in the limelight. And we're only there to ever try and um, present uh, a brave face in <laughs> in, uh, in despair and and lead through uncertain times. For the rest of the time, I think uh, I think the best analogy is that we should be in a box behind closed doors and do our job and as long as i actually think it's a successful year the less i have to go out in public
0: sure sure. it's really
1: successful for me you know
0: the less i have to go out and defend (laughs) what we do sure speaking about that box um we're here at your office today it is a box yeah we were chatting um sort of prior to to the um pushing the record button and you talked about having fun um, fun. and your team Keep. having fun how important is that in a corporate environment to so remove sport remove the sporting organisation from it how important is that in any I think it's corporate... really important I really do
1: I mean again you know if, you, if I for me I have to consider the working habits of all my staff emails smartphones iPads customer focus 24 hour reach you know like the work cycles changed it's yeah. not nine to five in fact I haven't got anyone that works nine to five sure so it's naive of me to think that I should be pushing my staff to conform and behave to an eight hour cycle and work we're a 24 hour seven day week cycle yeah um, we're also a very small team so for me I think it is important to have fun it's something we haven't quite done well yet you know okay. we're still in the early phases of the grind we're almost a start up this Melbourne United thing's only been around for two years this yeah. is our second year You know so we're no different to any other business two years into a plan but i certainly believe in everybody behaves better when they are in a natural state yeah when i don't think you can hide from yourself sure you know so as a leader it'd be foolish for me to try and be somebody that i'm not i agree in this environment and so i'm a i kind of like a bit of fun I, i like a bit of a gag and at the same time, we all understand when things have to be done, we get them done. It's just that we're not on the clock. Yeah. Um, and if it means we take a little longer, we take a little longer. But I think, I think, have an environment where people feel empowered, where people feel um, like they can be themselves. Mm-hmm. I think they're really important traits to being able to produce good results. Sure. I think if you've got to lie to yourself for eight hours, ten hours a day, it becomes really hard to do, especially under pressure. Yeah, I agree. And so you have to, you have to find ways. We're all, we're all the same, right? We're all We're all made of the same thing, you know, and and I think deep down we've all got a a little bit of um, a unique character and I think that that's what makes turning up to work great is when everybody knows they can come in, be themselves, act professional, get done what needs to be done, but you don't have to feel like you're putting on a show for somebody because they're looking over everything you do. I don't believe in that style of leadership, it's not me.
0: Yeah, sure, and I think that's that's true. We spend probably more time at work than waking time than we do with our family. 100%.
1: 100%. The balance is all wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll often encourage you know like if I if I can get through a day and four o'clock if I can get out of here because I've done what I need to do and the rest of the time I, I don't I see guys I'm out you yeah. know and um, we're results we're a results driven business we're a results driven company so we, we spend the time very working
0: very few people would get to the end and go God I wish I worked another day would they No, so.
1: <laughs> I think they'd say spend the time with the people that matter most.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, teams obviously very important um, to you outside of the actual basketball team. Um, What do you look for when you bring someone on board in in the corporate side? Well, in the actual person, yeah, I
1: I try to tease out a little bit about who they are, okay. What interests they've got, what makes them tick. You know, I often think, professionally, it's very difficult to know whether or not. Somebody professionally are going to deliver you the results you want them to deliver. There's so many factors to it. Yeah. Some factors are out of their control. Some are in their control. You might be able to see some of that in their history. You know, in the history of who they are, what they've done. But yeah, yeah. You know, I, I often think, um, you know, ref, references on CVs are pointless. Um, <laughs> you know, like I try to just see if there's some common ground in the person. And this is something like I learned from Larry, actually. Around would I be happy to spend a lot of time in a small amount of space with that person. Have they got some personality? Are they comfortable in their own skin? Yeah. Clearly they're being interviewed or they're being presented to us because they've got experience or intelligence or some sort of um, level of um, qualification, if you like, for what we're looking for. So what yeah, kind to of- To do person? the actual right. job, yeah. So forget that for a second. Like, I've got to turn up on a Monday morning and have a coffee with you. Am I going to enjoy that coffee or am I going to sit in there going, can't wait for this coffee to be over? Yeah. Uh, that's, it's just about how genuine can you get with a person straight away? You know, sure. again, I I think, I don't think people can put on a front for too long. They yeah. probably can for a set of in, a series of in, interviews. And if you just take the interviews and you, you keep it strictly to their qualifications, their experience and the traditional questions, um, you'll know in three months time. Yeah. So I try to cut that out by just kidding around a little bit and being myself and Showing them that that's the culture that I'm trying to set and how do they feel about that and what does it mean to them and if you can genuinely have a laugh with somebody, first impressions mean a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree.
1: And It's actually quite simple. It's just we complicate it with theory and rhetoric and I think it's just human nature. Instincts. Yeah. Trust your instincts.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. You talk about being genuine. Um, you know as an employee and that's what you look for in someone that you hire how important is that as a leader to be genuine and, oh, and be true to yourself oh,
1: it's the most important thing I think I can't lie about myself I can't I'll get found out Yeah. you know like it's actually my biggest weakness is my personality you know I, I like to have too much fun <laughs> um, but you know I deal with things in certain ways and I guess I need people to understand that and are comfortable. Um, are comfortable in that type of environment, I guess, part of that match, if you like, between leadership and your staff. And you should never really have a hierarchy even. You know, that whole concept of hierarchy, I think, is archaic. But, you know, you've got a team of people all working towards a common goal. Yeah. That's what sport is. You know, whether you're the 10th player on my team or the first player on my team, you're an equal part of that team. Yeah. There's no hierarchy in it. You've got to go through the same battles. True. I look at that the same way with my team, you know. So I'm often uncomfortable with the tag of CEO, but... Corporate Australia wants it, then okay. let's, let's roll with it
0: out. Well, we, uh, we had a um, presenter at one of our leaders in technology groups just last week, and we did a podcast with him um, a couple of months ago, James Pearson, and he talks about the, um, the history of the hierarchy, and it goes really back to Henry Ford. And, and, you know, the industrial days where, you, um, you know, you had to almost whip your workers to make sure yeah. that they showed up on time yeah, and yeah. You'd, you'd stand there and time their toilet no. breaks and, and it just doesn't have a place in, in modern... No. Um, it served its purpose to get us where we are, but... Yeah. Um, look,
1: you lead people, you manage numbers. Yeah. And there's a difference between the two, you know. And, uh, but hierarchy and titles, look, it motivates... Some, for some people it's really important titles are really important some people, some people work their whole career for a title you yep. know, um, I'm not saying it's right, wrong or indifferent but for me, whether I was a CEO or the membership manager I'd feel part of a team trying to achieve a common goal yeah. just play a different role within that team um, and I know that that's probably going to sound simplistic but I genuinely believe the best functioning teams are those where everybody feels equal Sure. that's what sport tells me
0: how, as a as a CEO, do you, one, um, communicate that goal and, two, make that lowest level of employee sort of just come on as a well, call firstly, centre worker? Well, firstly, or, there is no
1: such thing as a lowest form of employee, right? Like, that's sure, the first point, you sure. know? It, it's, it's really a mindset just about, well, I turn up, I do my job and I expect that my colleague to be able to do the same and we help each other wherever we need to help each other. I, I, I'm not silly about this. I know that... At the end of the day, I'm the CEO and the buck stops with me. And I've got to give the, the leadership, the strategic vision, the direction um, to the business at all times. But I only see that as a role. So let me explain. If my basketball operations manager didn't turn up for work for a week, the business would be devastated. Yep. If I didn't turn up for a week, probably wouldn't be as devastated. Sure. Whose role is more important?
0: Yeah, I, I see what you mean there, yeah, the basketball operations manager. Whose role is more important? But yeah. you see,
1: so for me, it's like just understanding that we can't do anything unless every part of the cog is working well. Yeah, clearly remuneration and seniority and ranking. and Yeah, I, I get it. That all plays a part in the psychology. That, that actually, it goes against, you know, it actually goes against every all everything I'm telling you because if you're turning up to work and you're being paid 30 grand and the guy sitting next to you, you know, is being paid 100. Well, how are you going to feel? Yeah. So are we doing a good job of, am I as a leader in this business, doing a good job of um, creating a team? You'd have to ask my team. I know personally we're not. We're not 100% there yet, but I constantly I do it by a couple of things. One, I always stay true to who I am, whether I'm dealing with um, a call centre manager, whether I'm dealing with a sponsorship manager, whether I'm dealing with a player in the team or the head coach. I try to be who I am I try to keep it light have a laugh get to the point and be solution solution focused sure right Um, and I treat people the way I want to be treated okay not the way others want to be treated yep because I have no idea how others want to be treated I know how I want to be treated so I don't want to be spoken down to uh, or I don't want to be in a condescending conversation I don't want to be belittled Um, I don't certainly want to be bullied you know so I want people to appeal to, you know, my a sense of thought, creativity, a process, um, consultation. So I treat people like I would want to be treated, no matter whether who they are in my business. I think that's the only way you can get to a point where you have a team functioning as a team. Are we so, there yet? No. Not
0: at all. Um, are you ever there? I don't know. That's a great question. Probably not. Is it... Is it ever good to think that you're there? Or, is, or should, should you as a leader always be thinking? Uh, I, think, I think it's good to forward. always... I
1: think it's incredibly important to be humble and have your feet on the ground, but you have to be careful to not celebrate the win- your small wins along the way. Yep. Getting there, wherever there is, the hard, the hard thing with that is you're never there because the minute you start getting close, your ambition shifts to there. You know, yeah. you know, right now, my there is about getting through Wednesday night's game <laughs> against the Sydney Kings. Once we hit that, I got a new one. Yeah. Um, and it's forever changing. I think all businesses are the same. I don't know a business out there that isn't greedy. Yeah.
0: Like, exactly. If there's a company yeah. out there that says I've got enough profit, <laughs> I'm not looking for new clients, let me know. Yeah. You know? So
1: I, I think you're forever shifting the there. But you can certainly create the environment, I think, every day where people can feel free to behave their way. Yes, you have rules. Yep. Yeah, where there are some things that you tolerate and you don't tolerate, and you have, absolutely have a line in the sand. But you know, each they they that's a unique trait that every customer or every every corporate company has. You mm. know.
0: Um, he spoke about um, you know just getting through um, this game against Sydney Kings on on Wednesday night and. You hear it a lot from coaches at their media conferences. Um, journalists will invariably ask, you know, what, what, what do you think about making the finals? And I said, well, we're just one game at a time, one game at a time, one game at a time. Um, how does that convert? Obviously, a leader needs to, to be across the day to day and across that next challenge. But how do you also have Well, I don't the eye know if a prize? leader needs to be
1: across the day to day. Okay. I think the leader needs to be across the next, the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and always
0: looking in front. You know. So that, when a coach says that, he's trying to keep his players focused no, on the I th- next. I think. And, and I think. The, the... The, the, the,
1: uh, if you take a um, take it like this, so take our team as an example, we have a brand new coach. We have seven new players. We started the year unbelievably well. We won nine games straight. It was a new national record. Yep. What did we? What had we actually achieved? Not a lot. Nah. We'd won nine games in a regular season. It just happened to be at the start of the year and on the trot. Yep. So for the coach, he's measuring, he's measuring his team's achievement, if you like, moment by moment because he's trying to get those players to behave consistently in a certain manner under, in competitive environments. And so you can't think too far in front because yep. you might have won the game, but how did you actually play and what did you did you lay a building block that's going to help you at the end of the year because whether i like it or not professional sports are all about winning yeah 100% i love i love listening to clubs that are rebuilding and yeah <laughs> uh, you're not rebuild externally you might be controlling an expectation yeah but there ain't no there's no such thing professional sports about winning yeah and you you know unfortunately you have one winner and a bunch of losers yeah that's and we're all fighting to be and I guess that's why we're all at the cutting edge of certain things because we're looking for that edge to win. But from a coach's perspective, they're not even thinking about the next game. They're thinking about the next possession in yeah. basketball because if they don't do it a certain way but they get the result, at some point the bad lesson's going to come. Yeah. So you're trying to actually develop a process that will withstand the rigour of the ultimate success being championship basketball. Sure. So whereas an outsider might be looking at this going... Geez, coach, you've won nine on the trot. You must be looking forward to finals. He's sitting there going, hell no, I'm not looking for to finals. We can't do this, this, this. We haven't done that, that, that. People yeah. don't understand that, but that's the level of detail that most likely a coach is going through. He's so <laughs> paranoid about we didn't do this very well. Yeah, we got the win, but I know that by doing that, in that time of the year, we're going to lose. Yeah. How am I going to deal with it then? And so... Maybe it's not articulated that way, but uh, I don't think a coach even thinks to, uh, you know, when a coach says it's one game at a time, I believe most of them are talking about it's literally what am I dealing with today yeah, and at this moment and being in that moment and dealing with it there and then and then worrying about the next piece. Sure. That's the, That's how they live.
0: Yeah, and I think that translates really well into, into business because I think a lot of business leaders and a lot of managers out there are stuck in that sort of... Putting out fires, dealing with with the day to day. How do how do you make that transition from dealing with the day to day to to really leading for the big picture? Well,
1: I mean, I do it because I know what my own strengths and weaknesses <coughs> are, and I, I'm, I need. I know I need in any organisation I work for detailed pe- detailed people around me, because yeah. I'm not detailed. Yeah. Sure. And and inv- inevitably, if I allow people to be who they are and play to their strengths. I'll always have people around me that are very good at the things that I am terrible at yep. and allow them to be great at it and let them deal with the day-to-day and the problems that are presented with that, they, they might they might rise, if that makes sense, and they might come to my attention, but, you know, ultimately so far, touch wood in my business, um, my team, even though things have been elevated um, through, through a series of, you know, just debate, they're ultimately able to resolve most of the problems, so I get the confidence to be able to Look yeah. in front a little bit. Um, you can't avoid the day-to-day and you definitely need people within your organisation f- purely focused on it, but it's a certain type of person that can do that. Yeah, yeah. That's why coaches are crazy. <laughs> you know, they're all crazy. You know, you ask any of them. They'll tell you themselves. Ask my coach. He'll tell you. He's crazy. He's an there.
0: I love him to bits. Yeah. Very good at it. So get the right people on board. Let them, let them do their job.
1: Well, know who you are. Be true to yourself. Uh n- Understand. We don't know what we don't know, which is the hardest lesson to learn. Yeah. Um, so be be open to be open to suggestion and ideas, and always be open to learning. Um, but as best you can, try to find people that might challenge your thinking day to day, have a different skill set, and be able to work with that difference. That's to me, that's probably relevant. It doesn't matter whether it's sport, no matter whether it's business, doesn't no matter whether it's family. You know? Yeah. Um, I think you, you just need to be, you know, tolerant, compassionate, open, and understand what you're great at and be great at it yeah. don't, don't ever let people down on what you're great at yeah you know
0: I think Vince that's an awesome full stop that that cool. is um, fantastic I've just got one more question sure. for you and, and it is a question without cool. notice but um, it's a question I've asked everyone that, yep. that we've had on this podcast we want to speak to to great leaders we want to speak to um, inspiring leaders who should I talk to next
1: you know in I've had so many great people um, mentor me in my life. Um, I could point you to a dozen, but if I I was to isolate just one person who I think's got some really unique views and stick to the sporting theme, I would say interview a head coach. Um, He's a a 61-year-old man. He'll hate me saying that. But he's a 61-year-old man who's experienced the very highs of his profession He's experienced the very lows of his profession, but more importantly, he's experienced sixty-one years of life um, yeah. as a as a as a philosopher. You know, um, trying to put into practice um, philosophy, um, which is really really hard to do. He's got some really great learnings that he can share in a and A form that I think people might find fascinating and interesting. Okay, Tr- not a traditional business guy, but if you really genuinely want to know about you know teams' behaviours. Um, He's somebody that I would I would recommend. Uh other than that I think Larry Kesselman who is our chairman and um you know my mentor really um I think Larry's a tremendous uh, a tremendous um person for your audience to to listen to uh whether or not he, he can do it or not some other thing but I, I think he's a tremendous leader, a really really great motivator of people. Um, and a true visionary. So they're probably the two that are immediately impacting my life right now that I can okay. suggest would be worthy of
0: talking to. Fantastic. Good we'll, luck. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> thanks for your time, Vince, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Graham. No worries. That was good. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of our Leadership Podcast Series. Leaders in Technology is for those who want to be powerful, deliberate, strategic thinkers of the future and for whom mediocrity in leadership is unacceptable. If that's you, become an online or a group member today at leadersintechnology.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Until next time, keep smiling.